0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's the Pledge Drive. That means best of Access Utah. We're going back in the archives to uh, bring out uh, what we consider to be some of our best conversations, all in uh, aid of uh, encouraging you to call and um, and go online to pledge your support to Utah Public Radio, and in, in particular, uh, in support of Access Utah. And We really appreciate it. We're thanking you in advance today. We're focusing on national and community issues, and uh, periodically um, we do shows where we just uh, open the phone lines. We bring in uh, people like Jason Gilmore, who's with me today, and uh, we uh, join as a UPR community and discuss what's going on. And so we're going to hear an excerpt from a discussion recently uh, reacting to the protests in Charlottesville. We'll also uh, d- uh, have excerpts from one of our programs uh, recently on the, the National Monuments, the uh, President uh, Trump's uh, mandated review of National Monuments. We'll hear from some some constituents there. We'll talk, uh, we'll have an excerpt from a program uh, on the occasion of the March for Science. We talked with several people who participated and uh, talked uh, about issues there. And we'll end the hour with a discussion, maybe a, at least a semi-hopeful uh, uh, end to the program. I had a discussion with Michael Lynch. He's an academic. His TED Talk is Finding Common Reality. And he talks about uh, how we all need more intellectual humility. We all need to help others feel like they're heard. And uh, so we'll, we'll have an excerpt from that discussion. We bring in uh, Jason Gilmore, who's Associate Professor of Communication Studies. Thanks for coming back in.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, appreciate uh, the... Uh, the guest spots you've done on Access Utah and uh, coming in to help us to raise some money here, and uh, Development Officer uh, Katie Swain joins us.
2: Yeah, good morning, Tom.
0: Thanks uh, for being with us. Um, so before we jump into uh, the the first excerpt uh, here, it's uh, it's, it's been a. Uh, Good day so far, Kitty. We need to raise some more money.
2: <laughs> it sure has. We had a really great morning edition, and um, we had a challenge pledge during morning edition. We've also got a challenge during Access Utah, actually. Um, we're working to raise $500, which will be matched dollar for dollar by Vincent and Gina Wickwar, um, some listeners here in Logan. And Gina Wickwar, you actually know for her voice, she is on occasionally reading commentaries for us. So a big right. thank you to them.
0: And you hear those right here on Access Utah, so we really appreciate uh, that. Before we jump into this discussion about in Charlottesville, and we uh, I've chosen the uh, spot near the end of our discussion, Jason, uh, where we get into talking about uh, monuments and what should stay and what should go. And we have some very insightful emails from uh, listeners that we that we treat. Um, I wonder if you talk a bit, Jason, about what this kind of discussion means and why it should be supported.
1: Yeah, so um, even in my classes uh, today, uh, we have discussions about difficult issues, and uh, uh, these are these are the issues of our day, um, and it's not always easy to have these conversations, um, but usually when you have a conversation that maybe makes you feel a little uncomfortable or that you feel is difficult, uh, that's where most attention needs to be placed. Um, and so uh, a show like Access Utah, a station like U- Utah Public Radio is exceptional in uh, in making sure that we are talking about the issues that are difficult for us but that are important to uh, the way we see the world and the things that are happening in the world and the issues that we need to address. Mm. So,
0: I was just thinking uh, a couple of very recent examples. I didn't choose these for the program today because they're so recent. Uh, but we had a uh, – I thought a very insightful discussion on the sham battle out in uh, – in in Wellsville um and we had some uh, representative native american organizations um by the end of that discussion i was very hopeful jason that that, that the, the Native American uh, tri- tribes, uh, organizations, and Wellsville City could work something out, and that both sides wanted to work something out. Sure. That's very gratifying when you're part of a discussion like that.
1: Yeah, indeed. I think it's uh, it's incredibly important. The fact that we all ha- kind of have a truth that we need to bring to the table, uh, and the fact that, you know, again, we're, we're listening to one another and that there's a platform for that uh, is incredibly important, so...
0: And voices be heard. We had a, pro- a program recently, uh, I think you probably heard it to Katie, uh, on uh, DACA, uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. We had um, our pro- producers uh, went out and found a student at USU who's a part of the DACA program, and that- she was she was able to make her voice heard.
2: That was an incredible program, Tom. We had a lot of feedback, I think, from other listeners, and even here on staff, I think all of us were really riveted to the program, Um Like Jason was saying, it's incredible to have a platform to be able to have these sorts of discussions and to talk about difficult issues that really matter, not just on a national level, but as we saw from your program right here in Logan, Utah, right here at Utah State University, our peers, our colleagues, our friends.
0: And Katie, you're you're an alumna. I am. Of Access Utah, <laughs> you were you were a student uh, my student interned right here at uh, at UPR. We can talk about that as we go along as well. This uh, this program and UPR in general uh, gives students some great opportunities.
2: It sure gave me one.
0: Uh, so uh, maybe we've convinced uh, someone. What? <laughs> how to how to reach us? How to give money to to, <laughs> right. uh, to Access Utah?
2: Um, and you can go online to upr.org um, to donate. It looks like we've already received our first donation of the hour. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so a big thank you to Katherine Davies. Um, she says that she enjoys supporting UPR. Um, it helps her feel connected to the world and to the community, like we were mentioning. Oh, so we appreciate So thank you that. to her. Um, let's keep it going strong and see a couple more donations come in.
0: UPR.org. UPR.org is the place to go, or you could call 800-826-1495, 800 826 So, Jason, to set this up, you were involved in this particular episode. We, mm-hmm. uh, Of course, the events happened uh, over the weekend, and then uh, early that next week, uh, we were on the air reacting to uh, the whole all those events in Charlottesville and the president's reaction to it, the reaction to that, um, the whole debate that it then ensued over over monuments. Yeah, uh, I wonder if anything you'd like to say about uh, the, the the discussion?
1: I felt I felt like the discussion was a needed discussion, um, something that uh, I think a lot of people were looking for answers on. Um, uh, and especially since there was uh, not a lot of direction from some of the sources that we looked to, the president was a little back and forth on this. Uh, so I think a lot of people kind of needed some direction. How do I interpret these events? Um, uh, you know, just kind of looking for some help there. Uh, and I think the program that we uh, that we had, um, I think we addressed a number of different facets. And the fact that we brought in different voices uh, throughout that that, uh, that show, you know, that gave uh, perspectives from, um, I believe it was black women voters uh, of Utah. Yeah, Darlene McDonald with Utah yeah. Women of Color Council was she on was, with us. She was spectacular. So the idea that we would bring in different perspectives and that we address this uh, at different angles was really spectacular. Again, a difficult issue, uh, something that we were all facing as a nation, but something incredibly important to, uh, to talk about.
0: that's key we're all facing this as a nation so we come together as a community at least the utah public radio community to try to work through this we also had moroni banale from utah league of native american voters Uh, so darlene and moroni aren't heard in the excerpt that we have that uh, that i've chosen but you will hear jason gilmore and you'll also hear nicole vivalis a lawyer with usu's office of research and graduate studies and you'll hear uh, emails from a couple of uh, of listeners so let's hear this. this is an excerpt from our recent program reacting to events in charlottesville
3: and there are organizations at the local level doing this work everywhere. Here in Logan, there's an indivisible chapter. Um, there's an ACLU sort of subchapter that's active and working at these issues. The two speakers that you've just had on the show are doing work at the local level, which is really the best place for change to be effectuated, right? Not everybody is just going to go and sit in and have a meeting with their representative at the federal level. But, um, but when, you know, permits are requested for these marches, these rallies in support of white supremacy, the local levels where you can effectuate some of that change. Have somebody go down and talk to the permit issuance agency and talk about how you might issue a permit and say that this permit is conditional. You cannot carry weapons. That chills the speech of both sides. And there are reasonable restrictions that we can place on speech and on on the Second Amendment. And here's how those two things might interface. Help your local leaders understand what's at stake. And that's the way that you can utilize these tools at the local level and have that contact point and really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Local districts being drawn, that's another issue that states all over the country are dealing with. And, and district, states are being told every day to redraw their districts join some of those organizations and do that work at the local level you have the greatest chance of making an impact our local leaders are very responsive i went to a number of the legislative town halls that the state level legislature had over the course of the session and you can go up and you can have a meaningful conversation with your elected representative and and so when folks are angry i think it's a great idea to redirect that to local action that you can take and it it i have seen it make a difference mm.
0: Let me read an email. This is from Susan Jealous from uh, Newton, who says, The people of Logan's Stand Together group are appalled by the events that took place in Charlottesville last weekend. In reaction to the display of hatred and violence in Charlottesville, we sponsored a rally in March in Logan last Monday night. The rally uh, last Monday night included lots of positive signs about replacing hate with love and includes love each other signs, which were designed some time ago by Becky Lewis Winstead of USU's art department. Many participants in the rally asked for the signs in their yards, So Stand Together mounted a project to print and distribute these signs, which also include a list of diverse types of people, such as blacks, immigrants, gays, veterans, rich and poor. If you'd like to order a sign, go to the Stand Together Logan Facebook group and look for information about the signs. Or come and find us in front of the old Cache County Courthouse, 200 North and Main Street, this Saturday, August 19th, between 10 and 11 a.m. And uh, Susan uh, ends, stand together as a group of people in Logan who came together last November with a commitment to promote human rights, social justice, compassion, peace, and protection of the planet. That's Susan Jealous from Newton. An example of what you were saying, uh, Nicole. Uh, let, me, uh, let me jump into this uh, email. This will get us into uh, monuments. And, uh, and what do we do about this? There's, there has been a trend across the South in some cities uh, to take down some of the s- Civil War, the Confederate uh, monuments. Um, I recall it was at New Orleans where the uh, the workers taking down the monuments had uh, flak jackets on, and, and, and yeah. they, you know some have done it in the middle of the night. This has been very controversial, um, and so this is an email from uh, Michael Timmons, uh, professor emeritus of landscape history at USU. Uh, he says throughout history, humankind has created monuments and memorials to events deemed significant. These markers, whether crafted or crude, create a web of meaning that serve to inform and educate future generations. Our understanding and appreciation of what has transpired in the past is enriched by these reference points. One of the most moving experiences of my life was to visit a visit to Dachau, the notorious Nazi internment camp near Munich. Rather than bulldoze the site and pretend it never existed, the atrocities never happened, the outline of the compound has been preserved, a barrack reconstructed, interpretive display provided, along with pieces of places for prayer and reflection. This is an appropriate response to a landscape filled with conflicted meaning, rather than total purging of history that. Suddenly seems fashionable with respect to mid 19th century American Confederacy. In an enlightened society, we can do better than destroy places of means of simply for, for a feel-good moment at the height of passion. Surely we can take a more reasoned approach than that demonstrated by the Taliban and their destruction of the 6th century uh, Bamiyan Buddhas in Afghanistan, or that displayed by the ISIS destruction of the ancient city of Nineveh and countless other antiquities, simply because they did not mesh with the political correctness of the prevailing winds of change of the time. Michael Timmons, Professor Emeritus, Landscape History, USU L A P Department.
1: Uh, Jason, what's your response? this um, so i have a different point of view uh, and so i, I respect the, the the notion that we need to recognize our past um, and uh, i mean i've said it uh, throughout today um, and i think a number of people are saying this on the national level that obviously we can't forget um we can't forget slavery we can't forget that the confederacy stood for slavery um, and that these are pieces of the American history uh, that tell the the, the full story. Um, but I think there's a difference between uh, preserving uh, Auschwitz on the outside of town than preserving symbols uh, that are that reign over the public space in these uh, towns and cities. Um, and so there's there's kind of a, a dual approach I think that's happening in the south. Right. This is these are uh, movements that are happening from Southerners who are taking over their cities and saying we want to be uh, something different from this. So on the one hand, you have the Baltimore's and you've got the uh, Charlottesville and you've got uh, New Orleans who are taking down and saying we're done with this. Right. Uh, We're done with having these figures of of our past reign over us as if they were the iconic people we should look to. Right. Because throughout the, the town, you don't have monuments to Washington and monuments to the rest of American history. You have monuments to a failed cause. Um, and this, these are words that come from uh, paraphrasing from the mayor of New Orleans, who is, who is a southerner. Um, the other approach is that in those spaces such as Alabama, where it is unlikely that we're going to see as much movement uh, to take down these monuments. If you go to the Capitol uh, in Montgomery, uh, there's a star embedded in the ground uh, on the state Capitol grounds where Jefferson Davis gave his inaugural speech. Uh, and that that city is littered with uh, Confederate monuments. It was the cradle of the Confederacy. It was a slave market. It, it's, it's an incredibly complex space. But because those uh, who are still down there and fighting for for at least equal time uh, and recognizing that the government is not going to take down those monuments, they have started to – the Southern Poverty Law Center as well as the Equal uh, equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery have started erecting uh, monuments that tell the story of slavery, that tell the story of Uh, of civil rights that went through that same location so that at least there are competing narratives to that predominant narrative that that and if we think about when these confederate uh, monuments were erected many of them came um, just in the past century as a way of uh, reasserting not as a way of commemorating, but a way of reasserting the philosophy of the Confederacy over those states that were part of the Confederacy. So as a way of telling uh, people of color in those states that, hey, we still uh, we still value this worldview. Um, and that is an oppressive imp- an thing uh, to exist in. If you go on uh, the University of Mississippi grounds, um, there are Confederate uh, monuments everywhere, and they are the ones that are – Huge and iconic, and to be uh, a, a white male walking through, like myself, walking through those grounds, I don't, I don't feel it quite as much. I, I, I don't like them. I don't agree with the cause, but I don't feel it as much as the uh, numerous students of color who have to go to school there every day and feel like their institution champions a cause. Uh, that is against them fundamentally as human beings. Um, so I think those of us who who have the privilege of being white white males, um, we don't understand what it means uh, at the level that people of color understand that right mm. that they feel that. But to begin to understand that, to begin to try and empathize with the, what that means, is the impetus for 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 removing these. These monuments, I think. Right. And I think that
3: there yeah. is an important distinction between places of meaning and the erection of new monuments that, as you said, honor the Confederacy, right? So nobody's talking about withdrawing a national park designation from Gettysburg. We're going to keep that. Indeed. That's you no know, you know, that's there. And and in fact the Confederate items that are there the National Park Service came out and said we support keeping them here this is a place of meaning mm-hmm. for our nation's history that is different than the 30 monuments that have been erected and dedicated to the confederacy within the last 17 years that's you know we're not discussing the same thing there mm-hmm. i think that you know when you look at the email that you just received and saying that that place of meaning should be preserved. I think we do have those. And I think we are interested. Our nation as a whole is interested in preserving that history, mm-hmm. but it's a whole nother thing to, you know, have these new monuments cropping up in the two thousands yeah. and saying, well, it's meaningful and it's part of our history and we should keep it there. That's, that's, it seems to me to be a little more along the lines of, you know, the sort of structural oppression mm-hmm. that Jason just mentioned.
0: The the other thing is, I was reading some history this morning. Uh, the, the Many of these monuments uh, that we're talking about uh, went up in the 1920s uh, in, a, in a time of the resurgence of the Klan. Uh, you know, so th- there's another piece of this. Let me let's uh, we'll go to a break after I uh, get this in from Carl. Carl says, do they have any statues of Hitler in Germany or Poland? We won't forget. That's uh, buttressing the point. And then Carl also says, I don't know why anyone is surprised by Trump's stance on racism. It was very evident during the campaign. You get what you vote for you're listening to Access Utah's the best of Access Utah today we're uh, focusing on programs uh, from the, the fir- fairly recent past in which we uh, deal with national and community issues very important issues we uh um, gather around the water cooler, as it as it were, as a UPR community, and try to grapple with these uh, with these issues, very thorny issues. And uh, at least in the first couple of um, excerpts here, I'm highlighting emails and calls from uh, listeners. That's uh, especially on these types of programs. What we want to do is uh, bring in listener perspective, and uh, you have uh, very often come through with uh, some very insightful comments, with, uh, which I feel move the discussion forward. And uh, help us to, to to find some solutions. So thank you to uh, for that. Uh, today we're looking for your response uh, to help to pay for programming like Indeed. this. Have with me uh, today, uh, Jason Gilmore, associate professor of uh, communication studies at uh, Utah State University, and uh, Katie Swain who's development officer at uh, USU. So uh, listening again to at least that part of the discussion, uh, Jason, what do you what do you think? Now we've had some time go past uh, <laughs> uh, since that discussion.
1: Yeah. Um, I, again, I feel like, um, we had a good discussion and the fact that we do bring in listener comments, I think, uh, really adds to the discussion because, you know, you have two, three people in a room and, um, you know, it's good that we're having this, these perspectives. We're bringing expert, uh, uh, perspectives to the table, but to have how, uh, people in the working world um, are interpreting these issues and what they bring to the table is actually sometimes more important than just what the experts say, right? Because um, you can get detached by just observing the world and commenting on it. Uh, But getting those perspectives really brings in something, I think, uh, miraculous in that – it might be they might be perspectives you don't agree with, right? And they might be perspectives uh, that challenge uh, what it is that you're saying. In this piece, uh, you know, uh, one of the people who wrote in had a different perspective than I did, and I think we, at those points in time, is when you can respectfully kind of uh, meet each other and see if you can't work past some issues, right? So it's important that we're engaging. Right. Even when we don't agree with each other. So a show like Access Utah really provides that space. Right. Because we encourage or you encourage uh, for people to call in to 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 speak their mind, to, to say their truth, um, whatever that may be. And and again, that is so incredibly valuable that people can do that.
0: Yeah. Yesterday we uh, had part of a discussion with uh, Craig Jessup and he, he talked about how he appreciates consistently high quality of a program like Access Utah. And then we talked about how that has to be a constant goal. Um, Indeed. We, every day we, we have to try to do our very best to match what you want because we know you have options. You don't, No federal law says you have to listen to Access Utah <laughs> or state or municipal law. And so right. we're, <laughs> we're, We hope that we're providing something that's of value to you. And uh, here's the time where we come to you, uh, Katie, and, and, uh, and say, hey, did you like that? Um, How about a little
2: money? And the way to support is to call 800-826-1495, or you can go online to upr.org. Tom, we actually did receive another uh, donation come in while we were chatting there. This comes from Gregory Mon, writes, I love Carrie from Morning Edition. Really enjoy Access Utah, Beehive Archive, and Wild About Utah segments. That's really awesome to see. A lot of our local content yeah. highlighted, which, as you mentioned, people do have options. And so one of the big reasons why someone would choose to listen to Access Utah and to Utah Public Radio are is that local um, connection. Yeah, It's that opportunity to listen to something very unique to this area, very unique to um, the Utah Public Radio community and the connections we have. Um, people tune in to listen to guests like Jason Gilmore and hear perspectives from Utah State University students and faculty, and um, it really is an awesome opportunity to have something so local that also addresses issues that that are so broad and so national, and that's what public radio is. So we really appreciate that. We hope that you will pledge your support um, and show exactly why you choose to listen to UPR. If it's part of your routine, if it's um, something that you are excited about listening to, excited about participating in, if you are a frequent caller or um, email writer during Access Utah, then pledge now. Eight hundred eight two six one four nine five is that number once again, or UPR org.
0: Gregory Mann, uh, periodically uh, emails in and uh, has some very insightful comments. So uh, he's he does that. He helps the show that way, and he's helping the the show financially. So thank you, thank you very much, uh, Jason. What's um, I guess what what's your, what's your appeal? How why should people take the time? You, you know, I think people have noticed. If I never call in it's it still goes Iroglass uh, has a has a very a famous uh, pitch that way he, he in which he says walk by reason he says uh, you may have noticed that even if you never pledge to your local public radio station it still keeps going the sky doesn't fall <laughs> so he says but walk by reason and do it um, you know do it out of out of uh, goodness the warm feeling the sense of community you'll get um, by by pledging
1: yeah, I mean, not only just to sustain the, the, the presence of public radio in our lives, which is so incredibly important, uh, but perhaps to improve. Prove it, right? To add to it, to to, to uh, uh, give more opportunities to people to come in to produce new uh, uh, radio shows, right? New perspectives, again, from that Utah perspective, from that Logan perspective, but also with a, a, a casting view on national issues and international issues and intercultural issues. Um, so it's not just about sustaining the, the 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 station, right? That is an important part of it. Obviously, uh, we need. To keep things uh, running, but but again, um, the idea that we want better and better representation through our uh, media sources, specifically public radio, uh, the contribution is incredibly important for that reason. Um, and you know, I spent a lot of years listening to public radio and not uh, not supporting it. And again, I thought the same thing, right? It's it's not falling, it's not going away, and so um, you know. I didn't really ever think about doing it, um, and uh, I was wrong. Um, I'm a sustaining member now, uh, and uh, I will forever be a, a supporter of public radio because now I see the, the, the kind of internal workings of this place and the amazing people who are here uh, and and the vision that all of you have for uh for producing and representing your community in such amazing ways, uh, so I, I just encourage everybody to uh, to to reconsider if you haven't if you haven't uh, if you haven't donated before if you haven't become a, a member before uh, please do so.
0: And Jason does about everything. He's he's on uh, periodically with these types of discussions. He's a, he's a sustaining member. And he brings us content, so uh, you know we, we we should mention fifty-two strong, fifty-four strong, uh, the the Brazil uh, series that you did, uh, fascinating, shorter pieces um, that uh, really add to the, to the the overall uh, content of, of Utah Public Radio. So Jason uh, we've got the contact points up here. I wonder if you could uh, give those.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So the number is one eight hundred. Eight two six one four nine five. That's one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. Also, focus on upr.org. It's super easy and uh, just a couple of clicks, and uh, and you're on your way.
0: Um, and we should mention that if you're listening in the evening, if it's dark out, um, then use the upr.org. So we do, we do have the program in the morning. And we repeat it in the evening. So we're, you'll be hearing the numbers uh, here. But if it's evening, then it's UPR.org. And we still watch your pledge.
2: <laughs> we certainly do. Every little bit counts. Absolutely.
0: So 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or UPR.org. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing... Uh, excerpts from a a program about the National Monuments, uh, Bears Ears, and uh, Grand Staircase Escalante. We'll also hear an excerpt from a program on the occasion of the March for Science, the marches that happened across the nation uh, recently. More following this break.
4: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Cache Valley Visitors Bureau featuring community concerts in Logan's Tabernacle Monday to Friday and celebrating 50 years at the Kane Lyric Theater and 25 years at Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater More information available online at explorelogan.com.
0: You've probably heard the expression, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. This old adage has inspired countless improvements on that original spring-loaded machine and motivated engineers to constantly improve the way things work. That same drive to make things better also shows up in engineering classrooms. Engineering education researchers at Utah State University are studying new teaching processes, exploring theories about how people learn and retain information, and redesigning the classroom experience to put quality teaching first. Improving engineering education, experts say, is one of the most important steps to increasing the number of students who graduate with an engineering degree.
1: Support on Utah Public Radio for Creating Tomorrow is provided in part by our members and the College of Engineering at Utah State University, offering an engineering education Ph.D. to help today's teachers become tomorrow's engineering
4: education leaders. Learn more at engineering.usu.edu. You can pledge to Utah Public Radio by calling us at 1-800-826-1495.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we are uh, doing the best of Access Utah. It's uh, become our tradition during the pledge drive. We are in the pledge drive, and uh, you know what that means. We're looking for your support. Um, I, I didn't mean to say it so ominously. It's uh, it's it's uh, a. <laughs> I meant to have a collegial tone when, when I said that. We're looking for you. No, we're we're uh, we're looking for you. We we want you. We Indeed. want you to. Uh, but uh, seriously, we do we do uh, really need your support. We would love to to have your support, and uh, we know you have your support in the responses to the to the program. Also, anecdotally, when I talk to people, I uh, hear that uh, they're appreciating programs, especially the, the programs that we're highlighting, types of programs we're highlighting here, which is uh, when we get together and, uh, and try to talk through important national and uh, community events and issues. And uh, so we heard previously in the program an excerpt from our uh, discussion about Charlottesville. Upcoming, we have uh, the March for Science, which uh, happened earlier this year, and we talked to some participants uh, but uh, coming up next, we're going to uh, have uh, excerpts from one of our discussions, many discussions, on Bears Ears National Monuments. And uh, we'll be hearing uh, from a couple of participants in that. Matt Anderson with Southern Institute and uh, Willie Grayeyes with Utah Dene Bekeia. And uh, also a, a very insightful caller from, uh, I think, from St. George. Um so, uh we have with us Assistant Professor of Communication Studies Jason Gilmore, who's also a, a somewhat frequent guest on this program. Uh Jason, you become a, a a go-to person in, in some of these especially race issues. Sure. Uh remind listeners a little bit how uh, how you g- have gotten into race issues and what you do with your your studying with your students.
1: Yeah, so um you know, I I I started, when I first got here to Utah State University about three years ago, um, I started a, a civil rights pilgrimage uh, that was created out of the University of Washington that I was uh, participating in. Uh, but uh, we take students uh, once a year down to the, to the south. This year we'll go again, uh, this time on the 50th anniversary of the assassination of, of Martin Luther King. We'll be in Memphis, Tennessee. But it was out of kind of an original pilgrimage that I did with my dissertation advisor and a couple of friends uh, to the south that really just kind of broke this open in my mind and in my soul and and, in the way I I see the world. But I had come from a background of of, uh, growing up in Mexico and uh, having kind of an intercultural understanding of the world and an international understanding of the world. So these issues of human difference were always at the fore of, of kind of how I saw the world. Uh, and so it's something that I think is incredibly relevant to people here in Utah. Um, I think Utah is actually quite a unique place in its uh, openness to the rest of the world. Um, and so um, I've, definitely, I've, I've just kind of brought that perspective here to, uh, to Utah. Um, and then in the radio series that we've done that Utah Public Radio has uh, uh, given us space for has been amazing. And we'll do another one this year. It's called King's Road. Um, and we'll do it from Memphis uh, on the anniversary of, of King's assassination um, and so yeah it's just been that's how I uh, that's a nutshell of how because it's mm-hmm. a long long story of how I got involved yeah. in these issues so
0: interesting that just parenthetically uh, must be interesting for students uh, especially in these times with a with a white backlash uh, makes it even more re- always relevant, but even more relevant indeed for, for students. Uh, I guess maybe an even easier sell to students to say, "Hey, this is this is not just ancient history. Well, not ancient history, but this is not history before you were born. This is yeah. these are issues that are being played out today."
1: Oh, it's going on today, right? And I, I think there's sometimes an argument that in Utah, um, you know. We don't need to discuss these issues because, you know, uh, there's a predominantly white population here. Uh, but I would I would argue that um, it, these are issues that affect us all, every one of us, even if we're in an isolated community um, that's removed from kind of the clashing points of this. It's still important to be informed about it, to uh, be reasoning or to be reasonable when we come to the table with one another and to, to – to what I was saying yesterday to some students, is to extend grace to one another uh, and see if we can't find ways to to connect instead of ways to clash.
0: Hmm. So, Katie, how how to support this kind of programming?
2: If Access Utah is something that you tune into, um, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-800-826-1495. If you're tuned in later this evening for the rebroadcast, then you can go to upr.org. You can go there now as well to make your donation. Um, Today, we actually have a challenge pledge going on right now from our friends and listeners, Vincent and Gina Wickwar. And we actually, we've seen a couple more donations come in throughout this hour. So we're really close to meeting that $500 goal that we have, which will then be doubled by them. Um, But help us get there. Give us a call 800-826-1495 and um, help ensure that these conversations will continue. And indeed, as Jason Gilmore mentioned, to get better, to expand and to continue to reach the state of Utah.
0: Help us continue service, help us improve the service. Uh, your comments are, are very important. Uh, tell us. Uh, we had a, uh, a listener email us uh, just a little while ago who said, uh, hey, all the political stuff is good, it's useful, but we need more science. Hmm. And uh, they said "We'd uh, one uh, topic you ought to cover is dinosaurs. And they even suggested guests. So we did that program. Um, hmm. We we try to be very re- responsive. We've had other people. I, I remember uh, a gentleman uh, very politely, long email in response to a, a program on uh, air quality. Uh, said I appreciate what you're trying to do. You got it wrong, and here's how to. Hmm. Here's what I'd like to hear. And so we did a program responding to that. Nice. Um, so we do definitely want this to be a two way conversation and uh, including. Right now, we'd, we'd, we could uh, use uh, financial resources to help to, to pay for the programming to, and to improve it. 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or upr.org, upr.org. Let's jump into the next segment. Here's an excerpt from a, a program from uh, May. This is on the occasion President Trump mandated a review, which has now been concluded by Secretary Zinke of the National Monuments. And uh, we talked with Josh Ewing, Executive Director of Friends of Cedar Mesa. We won't hear that excerpt. What I've chosen is an excerpt, uh, kind of picking up in the middle, from Matt Anderson, Public Lands Policy Analyst with Sutherland Institute. And uh, then uh, he is disagreed with by a, a caller, and there's some back and forth. I thought it was a good discussion. And then we get talking with Willie Grayeyes, Board Chairman with Utah Dene Bekaya. Let's hear this. Uh, a quotation from President uh, Trump's um, document, the executive order, says that monument designations can create barriers to achieving energy independence and otherwise curtail economic growth. Um, so do you think that's part of the review, part of the process, part of the problem as you see it from uh, for a national monument designation, curtailing um, energy extraction? Of course, that on the other side would be seen as... Uh, you know, positive curtailment.
5: Yeah, you know, energy extraction is clearly part of it, but I think what we need to remember is that energy extraction can occur simultaneously with other uses of land. Grazing and hiking and camping and fishing and hunting and uh, timber harvest can all occur on the same, you know, parcel of land. Sadly, there's been a false narrative put out there that, you know, it has to be either a, a win or a lose, and we in the West, we know that our public lands don't have to be about winners and losers, and that... Our public lands can, and quite frankly ought to be, put to multiple and often complementary uses. They can complement one another, even. You know, grazing allows for um, uh, hikers to climb trails. They, you know, ranchers uh, dig stock ponds, the wildlife uses for water year-round. I mean, these these multiple uses can complement each other. So it's not an either-or um, issue. It's a false choice. We can have all these things going on at the same time in the same places.
0: Right now we're talking with uh, Matt Anderson, Public Lands Policy Analyst with Southern Institute. I understand he has to get going here pretty soon. Uh, Popular fellow this morning um, on various media outlets. But we do want to fit a call in, uh, I think responding to uh, Mr. Anderson. Joe in St. George is uh, is calling us. Thanks for your call, Joe.
6: Good morning. Uh, Matt, Matt, I just want to make a comment uh, concerning Matt's comment about Garfield County. Uh, Now, I own a home in Garfield County. And I think I know a little bit about the county. Uh, the uh, current economic situation in Garfield County is not due to the monument. The, the, common, the current situation is due to the fact that Garfield County's industries have withered away, and not due to the monument, but simply through lack of demand. the The forest industry there is not at all competitive with other areas, the mining is, uh, at such as coal, etc., is not currently uh, feasible due to the prices, and nobody wants coal. And this self-declared uh, falsehood of an emergency in Garfield County is basically a publicity ploy by the commissioners there to uh, try to represent the monument as the bearer of all evil, and that's not simply not the case. Uh, If they took uh, Panguitch, take a look at Panguitch, where would they be without the tourism industry? They would still be back when they were 40 years ago uh, a very, very minor player. And they're actually doing quite well because of the tourist industry. And that is what drives Garfield County. And Let's take a look at the dollars produced by tourism in Garfield County. Let's match that up with dollars produced by the livestock industry, the forestry, the mining industry, and let's see who comes out ahead. And I think, uh, Matt, you'll find that uh, actually tourism is the big draw there. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, th- thanks, Joe and uh, St. George. I know uh, we'd have to let you go here pretty soon, Matt Anderson. Your response there, and then uh, the final comment. Yeah. So,
5: so, again, my response is I agree with what the gentleman said, and, and I agree, tourism in and Garfield County is extremely important, but, again, he's painting this false narrative, that it has to be an either-or solution. There was tourism going on in Garfield and King County long before the monument ever happened. That's a fact. And so I think um, it, it's an issue that, he, that he's facing. The other thing, too, is there was a study done by Utah State University a couple of years ago talking about the uh, economic impact that's um, had on grazing in Grand Staircase and the loss to the local economy. I believe it was something like $17 million a year that they've seen with the monument. I get the tourism's there. But it can happen at the same time. And so clearly there's economic loss. And again, to, to clarify, how do you explain a 67% decrease in high school enrollment? Yes, coal, the coal industry is not doing as well as it once was. I get it. But there's clearly more at play than just that. When you shut down you know, one of the largest coal fields and clean coal fields in the entire country, this is the impact you have.
0: Matt Anderson, who is a public, public lands policy analyst with the Sutherland Institute, I know we have to let you go here. Thanks so much for taking time with us.
5: Hey, thank you for your time, sir. Have a
0: Good day. Thank you. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have uh, Willie Grayeyes, board chairman with Utah Dene Bkeya. We bring in now Willie Grayeyes, board chairman with Utah Dene Uh Mr. Grayeyes, am I pronouncing the name of your organization correctly? That's perfect. Uh, okay, great. Uh, I'm I'm glad. <laughs> uh, tell me what Utah Dene Bekea is.
7: Uh, Utah Dene Bkeya is the uh, grassroots organization with all Native Americans uh representing the Utah San Juan County uh chapters uh, there are seven chapters on the Navajo reservation within the state of Utah under San Juan County so uh, those are the uh, the people and grassroots people that have uh very high uh, ancestral interests uh, to the land and the landscape of uh the Bears' Bear regions
0: okay uh what what do you think of this review that president trump uh, trump once once done is this positive or or negative
7: well i i'm sure that the uh the uh the understanding that i have is that the uh the Overreach uh, uh, strategy or statement that has been made by the uh, uh, elected uh, congressional delegate from the state of Utah and other uh, supporters of to undo or change the monument has. They are the ones that uh, push in this idea to for review. Uh, I have. Uh, no idea is as, as to what why the uh, the native voice is very uh being limited to uh to uh participate in this originally what was a public land initiative uh
0: so do you uh... Do you think that President Obama, um, the process under which he uh, led up to his decision to create Bears Ears National Monument, do you believe that Native American voices were included sufficiently?
7: Um, From the grassroots, it was uh, sufficiently included. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were uh, trying to be obstructed uh, in terms of how... The process would be going. So, a lot of time we we had barriers uh, on the way to to um, submit this. In fact, this is um, our proposal was very widely accepted by the the Utah um, public presentation. As far as I know, sixty three percent was in approval, as opposed to. Uh, uh, Mr. Bishop's uh, uh, land, uh, public land initiative for legislation. So,
0: um, it, uh, I know how you feel on this one because uh, I'm looking at a quote from you, <laughs> but I, I want to, I want to have you respond to this. Uh, this is Senator Hatch. Uh, he said in the desert news that Native Americans Utah quote may not understand and quote how National Monument designation restricts activities in uh, in bear's ears what what is your response to Senator Hatch's comment
7: um, I guess uh, we are Native American and across the board all public officials always trying to uh, downplay the, the Native American voice that's the uh, strategy that they use, we are extensively understanding what the uh, the public regulation uh, that is applicable to all kinds of establishment, national park, conservation area, wilderness area, and particularly the um, the monument establishment.
0: What does what does monument status mean then to, to you to the Native American peoples? This is this is a sacred area to you, and monument status helps protect it. Is that how you see it?
7: That, right now it's under protected, totally understaffed in terms of enforcement. As a result of that, in 19—2000—what, 2000, what two thousand nine. Dr. Ritt and the others were convicted of um, taking artifacts. Uh, As a result of that, you know, just literally tells you the story that it is understaffed under the law enforcement. So how, how much can we display in terms of for the public to understand or for the elected officials to understand that? So... That demonstrates literally, clearly um, what can happen. And it has happened. Tragedy.
0: That's uh, Willie Gray-Eyes. He's with Utah Denebakea. We also heard in that segment uh, Matt Anderson, public uh, lands policy analyst. And I thought one of the things I wanted to illustrate there was – uh, with a caller um, who uh, definitely, I thought, uh, moved the program uh, forward and had some very interesting perspective. And uh, that's one of the things I very much appreciate in the programs that we're highlighting today, That where we get together as a community and try to grapple with issues. We do definitely open the phone lines, uh, uh, offer email, you know, and uh, you very often come through with some very insightful uh, comments, which which I appreciate. Um, and I, I think uh, you would agree, Jason Gilmore.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm always looking forward to it. There's always that moment of, all right, okay, what do they think? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always a moment of opportunity, right? Uh, a, a, a moment of, of potential connection with somebody, um, as well as a moment of. Uh, of understanding what perspectives are out there that are predominant in our society. Um, And again, uh, we were talking off the air about this, but I think it merits saying here is that um, we need to listen to each other. Even when we disagree with each other, we need to listen to each other's perspectives uh, and not be so quick to kind of cast judgment on them, but listen. And uh, one of the tactics that I've learned through uh, a lot of years is, is the tactic of turning to wonder. Instead of rushing out with a judgment, uh, just turn to wonder, I wonder I wonder why they think this. I wonder where this comes from uh, and kind of expecting that it probably comes from a good place and not a bad place. It might be coming from a confused place, uh, but that's an opportunity for connection uh, and change. Um and again, uh, so the interacting with uh, callers on this show and those who email in uh, is always—I uh, feel excited every time I hear somebody's called in. Or, uh, I'm okay, all right, what's uh, what's the perspective? So, again, this show, this this uh, this station really does provide such a, an amazing service to us, and again, a platform at which that not just us experts talk, uh, but that. Um, people from the public get to as well. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, so Katie, how? How to do that? I'm, I'm sure we we are all wanting to get to the phone and support Access Utah.
2: Absolutely. That number is eight hundred eight two six one four nine five, or go online to upr.org. Uh, during that last se- segment, we did receive response as well as financial support from John Wolfe. He lo- he writes, I like to hear all the discussion programming. I like hearing different opinions from people all over the nation. Really great to hear from John this morning. He is Thank an you. occasional. Uh, commenter on Access Utah. On himself. Access Utah.
0: Thank you, John. And uh, we appreciate your calls to Access Utah. Appreciate your support.
2: And that is a great way to show that you support and that you um, appreciate. If you, like John, um, are appreciative of the discussion programming, of the. Um, the option and the opportunity to listen in and to join in as well, then show us by financially supporting. And again, that number is 800 826 1495. Help us get to our $500 goal that will be met from that challenge from Vincent and Gina Wickwar. Or if you're listening to the rebroadcast, you can go to upr.org.
0: And our thanks to uh, Vince and, uh, and Gina. I appreciate them. Join your support with theirs in that special way. To, uh, Take, takes up, take them up on the match, right? Right. It's, uh, it's, it's very important. and They've issued their support to help you to give your support. Uh, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. And if you're listening to the rebroadcast, uh, better to go to upr.org. Upr.org, you can do that right now as well, upr.org. Looking for your support. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have our final segment, and we'll hear an excerpt from a program we did following the March for Science
4: programming on utah public radio is made possible in part by our members and the cache valley visitors bureau presenting living history at the american west heritage center featuring mountain men pioneers and turn-of-the-century farmers activities include pony rides tomahawk throwing and ragdoll making information available at explorerlogan.com.
3: who needs critics you know what you like So why bother with movie reviews or book reviews? Well, there's an art to great criticism. And next time, music, book, and movie reviewers will defend their craft and explain it. On to the best of our knowledge from PRX.
4: Join us Sunday morning at 9 on Utah Public Radio. You can pledge to Utah Public Radio by calling us at 1-800-826-1495.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We've reached our last segment, and uh, uh, we are doing best of Access Utah today during the Pledge Drive. And today we're highlighting uh, those programs where we get together and uh, try to work through, as a UPR community, some uh, national and community issues, important issues. We've heard uh, excerpts from our program reacting to Charlottesville. We've t- we've had excerpts from one of our many programs on uh, Bears Ears National Monuments. And uh, next up, we're going to hear an excerpt from a program uh, talking to participants and organizers of uh, March for Science, which uh, you recall uh, happened uh, in April of, uh, of this year. Um, so we reached out to some participants. We wanted to get their perspective. Why did you march? And to uh, have a discussion, a good discussion ensued. And let's uh, go directly to that. Um, we talked with, we had, uh, I think all of these were in studio. We talked with Pat Bohm Trussell. Robert Davies and Paul Rogers, and you know it was uh, it was it was incredibly
8: festive, uh, I would say, but but also serious, and and I think people were feeling um, incredibly pleased to be standing in a very large group of people that are sharing their concerns and their fears, which which really certainly have arisen, I think, from a feeling that that evidence based policy making is taking a back seat, and so certainly. I would say that the, the spirit there and the signs and everything was was a support for science, but it was it was a support for science in a context, which is a call for evidence based policymaking. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of people are, are feeling worried about that and just coming together in a community uh and, and seeing lots of other people feel that too was
0: was helpful for many of us. Mm-hmm. Let me start Rob Davies with with you with this question. Um th- there has been some debate in the scientific community over you know, we're scientists. We shouldn't get involved in the political sphere. Um, but I, I think the premise behind the overall March for Science, if you go to their national website, is uh, essentially they don't use these words, the, the, that horse has left the barn. We, we need to get involved. There's an attack on evidence-based policymaking.
8: Well, certainly. I think, um, and there are there are cases to be made on either side. There are certainly concerns. I think sometimes scientists feel that participating in something that has any kind of overtone of political, overtly political, maybe um, they risk their credibility. There's actually been some scientific study on this very thing, and, and it turns out the public does not view scientists as losing their credibility when they get involved in public policy, or at least not necessarily. So, um, and then there's the side, the other side that, uh, you know, as in a complex society, when we face complicated questions, we rely on expertise. And this is a place where knowledge matters. And, you know, I, I had, I, I blew out a disc in my back last summer and I went and got an MRI at some point. And these are some pretty complex, uh, imaging systems. And I'm just imagining what it would have been if the radiologist had just handed me my stack of MRI imagery and said, well, here you go. What would you like us to do? You know, we need as a society, um, the, expert, uh, the experts in the different fields to help us put the information into context and to understand it. And if scientists don't do that, if we don't help the public understand complex information, then other people who don't understand it will step in to fill the void, and that's what's been happening. So. Mm.
9: Yes. Yeah, I want to make a point about that, and, and it was also a point that was raised uh, uh, at several March for Sciences, and it's this critical difference, in, in my opinion, and uh, many people's opinion, between political and partisan. In my view, or in a broader view, political just means being involved in the political process, which I think it's incumbent upon every single citizen to do. Uh, So as scientists, we're very familiar with the concept of bias. So we can present information, uh, as Rob said, uh, but we don't have to do it in a partisan way. We're not saying choose candidate A or over candidate B necessarily, but we can say the science is giving us these messages and it's very important that we get that information to uh, perhaps politicians or policymakers uh, and we're familiar with those boundaries. Um, I believe that many scientists and many institutional structures have sort of taken us out of the game a little bit for fear of appearing partisan and I believe it's okay to be
0: political. Mm, okay, what do you think on this question uh, Pat Bohmtrossel uh, you for beginning with the March in Logan did you I guess I'm'm I'm assuming you didn't participate as a partisan what no
10: it, this this wasn't a political statement on my part. It was to support the method of inquiry that is, uh, science itself—it's science—is a way of knowing about the world and finding out about the world, and the more people understand that, the the less quarrel there can be about about its value. Um, and I also think that um, supporting uh, fact-based uh, decision making is is inherent in in our educational system, so it it has deep roots.
0: Hmm. Um, Rob Davies, uh, in a world where we can't agree on the facts, uh, you know, science potentially gets sucked into a political and even a a partisan debate, doesn't it? Well, you know,
8: politics is how we, uh, as a a society, collectively address risk. And uh, so many of the risks we are facing as a society now, uh, we are made aware of through science. Uh, Certainly what Uh, large, well, the entire scientific community is categorizing as existential risks now. We've got uh, human-induced climate change that is accelerating, uh, for which the risks are extreme for human society, uh, and for which the scientific uh, consensus is extremely robust. We've got uh, an unprecedented extinction rate uh, ongoing across the planet. The the rate of biodiversity loss is enormous. We're losing huge uh, swaths of our life support system. Uh, these are. this is knowledge that comes to us through science, and we can't as a society decide how to move forward and address these risks unless we can get on the same page with the basic knowledge. And a quick example, you know, last year uh, there was a Zika outbreak in Miami. And uh, politicians, business leaders, uh, uh, community leaders got together and tried to decide what to do. There were you could spray for mosquitoes, you could have a quarantine, um, lots of public information and education. And they got together. They made some hard choices that some people didn't like about how to deal with that outbreak, but but felt were necessary. But nobody showed up to those meetings and said, you know, Zika. It's it's not a thing. It's not a virus. It's not a disease. Or it's not it's not transmitted by mosquitoes. They started from a base level of knowledge and then worked forward to figure out how to address that risk. And that's what we need to do with all, all kinds of things in our society. And that, I think, is what many of us uh, see, uh, and not just in the last six months, uh, but but over the last several decades, uh, going away in our society is this notion of alternative facts and, and just different information. So this is, a, I think, a reaffirmation of knowledge matters, evidence-based information matters, and we can get on the same page with that and then go forward with discussing how we address those risks that the knowledge is telling us about.
0: Paul Rogers, uh, let me uh, quote this uh, Robert Proctor again, professor of history of science at Stanford University. I'm quoting from the Washington Post. This is even broader. He says you have to go back to maybe uh, Physicians for Social Responsibility for Scientific Groups Against Nuclear War in the Reagan area. But he says this is even broader in the sense that there is a broader perception of a massive attack on sacred notions of truth that are sacred to the scientific community. Do you see that? And is that a motivation for you to... Organize it, a march? It's certainly of
9: concern, uh, taking off on what um, Rob said. Is, uh, and it's this idea that's, uh, that is really the March for Science. The, the reason for it is the idea of that <clears throat> if scientists don't speak out, then there's a void. And we've seen uh, in this current uh, time that uh, people can uh, use whatever uh, reasoning they want, faith or, or magic or just opinion, to really control our policies so where do we go for some, some sort of neutral, non-biased information? And I couldn't agree with the quote more. Uh, and, and, and we provide a language, really. Um, a different example would be if I came over and said, you know, we don't believe in French or I don't believe in, uh, in music, the, the way music's written. Science provides a language for conversation. It's, a, it's, it's not inherently biased or partisan. And it's a way for us to discuss things in an intelligent way, and, and incredible amounts of knowledge and energy go into that, uh, not to um, to put across some political point, but to inform our world. And, and ultimately, uh, what what drives my passions is to live better in this world and more sustainably.
0: Mm. Pat Bumtrosol, so you you marched as a citizen, right? Not as a scientist. Uh, interested in your perspective on this. As scientists, uh, and we've heard from. Rob Davies and Paul Rogers, they, as scientists, want to get out, and, and they need to be involved. What, from the point of view of a citizen, what, what do you think?
10: What I think about is the future of the planet for my children, perhaps their children, uh, the future generations. And I think that when we use evidence-based knowledge to make decisions— we have a much better chance of making this a good, sustainable uh, way living on the planet for for the the whole of po- our population, mm. the whole of the world's population.
0: And uh, that is a segment from our uh, program from April in which we brought in participants in the March for Science. Interesting to get their direct perspective. A good discussion ensued, and uh, we're highlighting that type of discussion, which we uh, try to provide for you on on a frequent basis uh, here on uh, Utah Public Radio and Access Utah. Just a couple of minutes left in the program. We're looking for your support for Access Utah. So, uh, Katie Swain, how to do that.
2: Call 800-826-1495 or go online to upr.org. And uh, during that last segment, we did receive um, the last donation we needed to get to that $500 matching goal. Uh, This comes from Ted, and he writes, I love Access Utah, love the wonderful conversations, and find this one of the best needs filled by UPR. I also love the original series, and I'm looking forward to... Opioids, LGBTQ, off the grid, and crossing borders.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you, Ted. Appreciate that. Uh, so, just uh, about a minute or two, uh, Jason Gilmore, uh, your your final appeal to your fellow listeners.
1: Yeah. So I came in one day uh, to the studio here, and uh, everybody had been had collected around because uh, the station had won uh, a number of awards of Excellence in Journalism Awards, and it just got me thinking about how, uh, even in the three years that I've been here in Logan uh, and in Utah, um, how amazing uh, the programming is here, um, and how much how much innovation and creativity um, comes from not only the core here at Utah Public Radio, but in the students that are brought in the door uh, to work here from Utah State. Um, so, If you're in Moab, um, or if you're in Logan, or anywhere in between down in Saint George, um, this you should definitely value this. This is something that's important and is getting, uh, I would I would argue, exponentially better. Uh,
0: Thank you, thank you so much, uh, uh, Jason. Thank you for your contributions to the program, the the content contributions. Yeah. And I'm sure this uh, sure will have you on again. Uh, <laughs> Something will happen, and we'll, we'll, we'll have you back in. Uh, Jason Gilmore, who is Assistant Professor of uh, Communication Studies at Utah State University. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, Katie Swain, uh, Development Officer. Thank you.
2: And thank you, Tom. You with us.
0: And uh, you mentioned uh, student interns. A shout-out to Spencer and Alyssa, my, my current interns. And your donation here helps to provide their opportunities. They're doing a great job. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for listening to Access Utah today.
9: This is Utah okay, Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College yeah, of Humanities and Social Sciences. Heard on KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan. Also heard online at upr.org.